Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, hello there. And, he also said, many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. Welcome to Favorite Points of View. This show is a part of the Force Center podcast feed, and here on Force Center, we like to celebrate Star Wars. Over all the years of celebrating Star Wars with so many listeners and fans of that galaxy far, far away, I have found myself thinking more and more about old Force Spirit Obi-Wan Kenobi sitting on a log and spouting that controversial phrase, certain point of view. When Obi-Wan first says it, even Luke is incredulous. Certain point of view? But just like Luke, I've come to appreciate the wisdom of it. We all have different things we like in Star Wars, and we all have different reasons that we like those certain things, and sometimes those differences can become a catalyst for anger. You see someone tweet that your favorite Star Wars movie is the worst Star Wars movie, and it naturally makes us angry, and the dark side is beckoning, quick to join us in a fight on social media. 
But I think a point of view can also be a positive, joyful, insightful thing if we embrace it as that, a point of view. By doing Force Center, I've discovered that I love hearing people's different opinions, particularly if I can understand where they're coming from. I've learned to appreciate things I'm not so sure about in Star Wars when I get to hear someone explain it from their unique perspective, and suddenly I find myself enjoying something that I didn't really enjoy as much before. So what I want to do here on Favorite Points of View is ask Star Wars fans about a specific topic within Star Wars, what their favorite thing is in that topic, and why. Why do they love it? I also asked people to share when and how they got introduced to Star Wars. And it was really interesting because sometimes there's a direct relationship between when they started and what they love, but not always. So for this first experimental episode of Favorite Points of View, I asked patrons on our Force Center Patreon page to share their favorite lightsaber and a little bit about where they started with their Star Wars adventure. And I was really happy to get many, 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 many responses. And if I shared them all, this podcast would be 18 hours long. So I picked 12 to share, and I tried to pick the ones that offered a wide range of points of view. But thank you to all who sent them in, and perhaps we will share more down the road. But for now, sit back. Grab a toy lightsaber to swing around safely while listening and enjoy all these different Star Wars points of view. We start with Simon Huffnagel. Simon says, my, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was going to say that, but now I have to do whatever Simon says. Simon says, Simon, I know you've heard that joke a thousand times and I apologize. Anyway, Simon has this to answer in response to my question. My favorite lightsaber forever and always will be Luke's green lightsaber from Return of the Jedi. First, that it's a clear marker of Luke's progression as a Jedi. By Return of the Jedi, he still has much to learn, but you see how far he has come and how confident he is in his powers. The ability to construct his own lightsaber is a big part of that. Second, the hilt is a mirror of Obi-Wan's, and the green blade to me represents Yoda, so the saber itself honors both of Luke's masters. I'm also a fan of the unofficial theory that Luke's green crystal came from Qui-Gon's saber. Not confirmed canon, but internal headcanon until proven otherwise. I built my own lightsaber in Galaxy's Edge last year, and I intentionally chose a green crystal in parts that were closest to this saber. Side note, Rey's new saber from the end of The Rise of Skywalker is a strong contender for second place for all the cool reasons like its construction and activation to the deeper reasons of what it represents for her. If they ever start selling this hilt at Galaxy's Edge, I'm definitely buying one. Ha ha, writes Simon. All sorts of great stuff there in the reasoning behind the classic Luke green blade and Rey's saber. Well, a uh, spoiler for the rest of this podcast, we're going to be hearing more about that. Now, here is what Simon answers about where his Star Wars adventure began. My Star Wars fandom began in 1997 with the original trilogy special editions. I was turning seven and approaching the age where my parents were starting to get comfortable showing me movies beyond the Disney animated classics. I had no idea what I was in for or how these movies would come to be such a big part of my life. The special editions may have some questionable changes, but I love them, flaws and all. The Phantom Menace, a couple years later, completed a nice one-two punch of fandom creation for me. One last note, the first waves of Star Wars Legos in this period also were a big part of my initial fandom upbringing. I still have a lot of the sets to this day. They are all packed up and stored for space reasons, lack thereof. I feel you, Simon. But every once in a while, I'll get them out and reassemble them. So there you go. Simon says Luke's green blade with Ray's blade being a close second, and he began his fandom with the original trilogy special editions. We all begin somewhere. Shout out to Star Wars Legos. Moving on, next we hear from Andrew Siner. Andrew says, for the longest time, I'd be answering this lightsaber question with my saber. It's not from Galaxy's Edge, but I purchased it from Ultra Sabers back in 2016. It's pretty and gold and silver. I've even added some black rubber O-rings to give it some contrast. I've also got the colors set up to be a light green blade that flashes bright red when it clashes. Ooh, internal conflict right there in Andrew's lightsaber. That's amazing. I love it because it's mine. That's what I'd make on my youngling trip to Ilum. 
Then I saw The Rise of Skywalker and read its novelization. Ray's new golden blade, crafted from bits of her old life, is so damn powerful. I particularly love how Ray Carson added what Ray was originally thinking for her own blade. She hadn't initially thought of using her own staff until after she conquered her own inner darkness. And to me, that speaks to the heart of my Star Wars, the journey to self-actualization, claiming your own purpose in place in all of this. And it's taken me a long time to realize that our own destinies are built on the bones of our past and failures. Also, it's got a super neat clicky wheel. I absolutely agree with you. There is so much, Andrew, that is cool about Ray's blade, including the uh, the deep meaning and just the aesthetic of it. The super neat clicky wheel. That's a great turn of phrase that I'm going to add uh, to my own head the next time I watch The Rise of Skywalker and I see that moment, I will think, super neat clicky wheel. And Andrew has this to say about where his Star Wars adventure began. Star Wars has always been in my life. I'm pretty sure my first viewing of anything Star Wars was on a VHS or a Laserdisc in the early 90s, but my first concrete memory is watching the special edition of A New Hope. I must have been around six years old. My dad took me and a friend out to the theater that cold Chicagoan January of 97. I only have two concrete memories from that viewing, and only one of those was in the theater. The first I remember is, we're in position. I'm going to cut across the axis and try to draw their fire. The entire rest of that viewing is a blur. Everything before that moment was fun, and everything after it was heart-pounding action, and I loved every minute of it. My other memory was walking through the parking lot afterwards, my dad herding me and my friend back to his car. I distinctly remember looking up my dad, looking up at my dad and saying, that was so freaking cool. Now, with all that said, that's not exactly where and when I became a fan. Sure, the bang, boom of it all entertained child Andrew, but the nuance of the story in the original trilogy and my own emotional responses to that story was a bit lost on six-year-old me. It wasn't until the prequel trilogy started that I had the emotional and mental maturity to really understand the lessons and meanings of those Star Wars. I was 9, 12, and 15 when each of those prequel films came out. Episode 1, Andrew sees a kid his age helping anyone he could and doing cool stuff besides. Episode 2, Andrew, just hitting puberty, not understanding a damn thing about love or sex or romance, seeing that same Anakin stumble blindly through his attractions and mood swings. Episode 3, Andrew, in the depths of his teenage angst, angst partially fueled by hormones, partially by Linkin Park songs, watches Anakin rage and rebel against people that only have his best interests at heart and sees him pay the price for his selfish impulses. Damn, I love Star Wars. Well, damn, Andrew, I love this story of how you fell in love with Star Wars. Uh, we've talked to people on Force Center a little bit about really growing up with Anakin, and I think it's something that I've always imagined uh, uh, what that might be like since I didn't get to experience Star Wars that way myself. So it is really great to read it this way. And to me, this is one of the great examples of hearing a different perspective. Uh, encourages me to look at Star Wars in a different way. I, I've come to enjoy the awkward romance of Attack the Clones more when I really do just put myself in Anakin's shoes and in this example in Andrew's shoes as going through that phase of life where you know that you are attracted to somebody but you don't know exactly how to handle that and it has all happened to us I'm sure where we are trying to just be romantic but it's only as romantic as a Linkin Park song. <laughs> a uh, Star Wars analogy I did not expect to make, but I got to discover because of this. Thank you very much, Andrew. We are going to move on to Laura Martin. Laura says about her favorite lightsaber, I know I sound basic, but if I had to pick a favorite lightsaber, it would be the classic Skywalker lightsaber. It's aesthetically pleasing to look at. I like the color of the blade. It's an iconic look. I just really like it. Luke's green lightsaber is a close second. Uh, man, Laura, there's nothing wrong with being basic. Uh, I think sometimes we should replace the word basic with classic. Uh, when I was a kid, blue was my favorite color, and I can't remember if that happened before or because 
of uh, the original Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker lightsaber. It is utterly classic. It is the introduction. It's the first lightsaber we see in A New Hope. It is the the beginning. It is the alpha of uh, many people's love of lightsabers. Laura says this about beginning her Star Wars adventure. When I was young, we had the original trilogy on VHS. It was something all three of us kids could agree on watching, so we watched it a lot. Then the theatrical re-releases came out, and we got to see them in the theater for the first time. That was when Star Wars went from pretty good movies to this is the best thing I have ever witnessed in my life. I have found my calling and never looked back. On a more personal note, I wanted to add that at that time, my middle brother was going through some hard teenage years and didn't get along well at all with me and my youngest brother. As a result, my youngest brother and I spent a lot more time together consuming Star Wars media, and we became very close and still are to this day. He's also a patron on here, and I hope I embarrass the daylights out of him by writing this. So Star Wars has an especially important place in my life as it was the means of connecting emotionally with my brothers. That is great. Uh, We talk a lot about how Star Wars is about family, sometimes found family, sometimes blood family. That is obvious in the actual Skywalker saga, that story, and I would argue pretty much all other Star Wars storytelling so far. Uh, But it is so powerful that that is not just the story on the screen. That is often the story in our lives. And in the beginning of my Star Wars adventure is absolutely can't be charted without the presence of my older brother. I have mentioned uh, before on Star Wars, uh, on Force Center podcast, that my brother and I tended to kind of divide things and, and pick favorites while playing. He was Han and I was Luke. And that was a big part of our life journey together. So thank you, Laura, for that. Moving on to Alex Brennan. Alex says this about his favorite lightsaber. Count Dooku's lightsaber for being cool. It looks like it has a story to tell, as the way it curves with a pointy part near the emitter, it looks like it's been twisted by the dark side itself. And with Dooku being so skilled in saber combat, there's a reason he chose that saber in particular. Great choice, Alex. Uh, We talk a lot about the revelation of uh, Maul's double-bladed lightsaber and the kind of following tradition of Kylo having the cross-saber, jittery, unfocused lightsaber. But we don't talk enough about how just Dooku's hilt design is so different and unique that it is uh, a continuing addition to the canon of what a lightsaber can look at, but in some ways, a more subtle one. So, great choice. Alex says this about his own Star Wars adventure. Star Wars has been the biggest constant in my life since age eight when I saw A New Hope in 1997 at the cinema with my grandparents and two cousins who were five years older than me. It was extra special also as it was my first time at a cinema ever as I was an only kid And not a great childhood, so I didn't get to do normal, fun stuff other kids got to. The whole thing was a complete surprise. Instead of dropping me at school, we drove past, picked up my family, who were in on it, and my life was changed forever. Seeing that opening crawl, hearing John Williams' legendary score, watching in awe as the Tanta V4 being chased by the Star Destroyer, all on the enormous cinema screen that I didn't know existed until 30 minutes prior. We went and saw Empire Strikes Back, then Return of the Jedi in the same manner and have seen every Star Wars in the theater since. Even to this day, I think of that experience every time I go to the movie theater, and when it's a new Star Wars, well, I can't help but turn back into that eight-year-old. That is great. Thank you so much, Alex. We're getting a lot of people who were really had their minds blown by those special editions, which again, for me, having grown up with the original releases of the original trilogy, I have such different memories. For me, it was uh, the first time that I really shared Star Wars with a community of, of adults. And I have my memories of going to uh, the St. Anthony Main Theater right on the Mississippi River in Minneapolis, going to see these uh, films on the screen again and realizing, oh, hey, yeah, I guess those VHSs I've been watching are something called pan and scan and there are parts of the movie that i have not seen in years and which parts are new and which parts just got cut off by those vhs tapes so it's so great to hear your adventure is that is your 
introduction to it all. None of the hang-ups of what, what is different or not uh, from the originals. Great thoughts. We're going to move on to Jim Mason. Jim has a unique and awesome choice for favorite lightsaber. Jim says, My favorite are the yellow-bladed double lightsabers wielded by the Jedi Temple Guard. Before that, it didn't matter what color or style the sabers were, they were just cool. But when I realized the Temple Guard's job was to keep order amongst a group of space wizard martial artists, the implication of the prowess of these mostly silent watchmen's prowess left me in awe. And later, seeing Kanan in action against one such Jedi in Rebels confirmed it. You don't mess with the Temple Guard. Damn right, Jim. Don't mess with the Temple Guard. I want to see that written out in Orabesh and put on a t-shirt. Here's what Jim says about what got him into Star Wars. What got me into Star Wars was seeing a young, wide-eyed Mark Hamill one day after elementary school on the Merv Griffin show. My late mom loved Merv Griffin. Anywho, he was talking about this movie called Star Wars, and to be honest, I barely paid attention to that. But then I saw a clip of the scene with Luke and Han getting in the turrets to fight off the pursuing TIE fighters, and that was it. I needed to see that movie. And I was unrelenting with my parents until I got it, which in that rare case, I was successful with. It's been a way of life ever since. Great story, Jim, and here we're seeing all of these different ages and different ways that people can be exposed to Star Wars. Uh, It's interesting that people of different ages are also bringing up this uh, similar thing of having childhoods or uh, life situations where you didn't go to the movies that much. But Star Wars had such a cultural power and fired the imaginations of children so much that Star Wars got to be the exception to that rule. We, uh, my brother and I didn't get to go to movies, uh, very often at all. And Star Wars was one of those unthinkable, we, it, it cannot be missed. Uh, we, my parents realized they, they could not do that to us. Uh, so it became a priority and I really relate to that. Thank you for sharing that story. We are going to move on to Will Culbertson. Here's what Will has to say about his favorite lightsaber. My favorite lightsaber is Darth Maul's double-bladed lightsaber from Phantom Menace, but only when he uses it as a single blade. This is amazing, Will. Maul's first encounter with Qui-Gon is shocking and vicious. He doesn't ignite both ends because he doesn't need to. Why show all your cards when you already have the element of surprise? Qui-Gon is clearly on the defensive and looks exhausted afterwards. Later... During his duel with Obi-Wan, his double blade gets cut in half, and that's when Maul gets really dangerous. He's pissed, and it shows in the brutal nature of his next exchanges with Obi-Wan. And since that whole sequence is done without any background music, it allows the growling sound design of his blade to really shine. That thing sounds like a buzzsaw from hell, always inches away from taking the life of not one, but two Jedi. That single blade is one of the biggest elements of fear that Obi-Wan is confronting that day, and it makes his victory and ascension to knighthood all the more compelling. Man, that is great stuff, Will. Thank you so much for sharing. It's a neat idea that your favorite is Maul's single blade, but it's so articulated so well and how it connects to uh, what Obi-Wan is feeling and what Maul is feeling. And it is easy to imagine that somebody like Maul, he relies on anger to give him power. Obi-Wan cut his lightsaber in half. That would make him even more pissed. And I love, I love this description of the sound design of Maul's lightsaber being a buzzsaw from hell. It's a thing that's uh, that's really affected me watching Phantom Menace over the years is the sound design of those lightsabers are extremely different and that buzzsaw from hell is a great way to describe it. I have thought in my own mind of Maul's lightsaber sounding like it is hungry, like it's hungry to cut into flesh. It is a horrific and exciting celebration of the dark side. Great thoughts, Will. Here's what Will has to say about his adventure into Star Wars. One of my earliest childhood memories is of my parents taking me to see Return of the Jedi in the theater. I would have been two at the time, so it's just images, really. Feelings. 
My dad later purchased the entire trilogy on Laserdisc, and thus the countless repeat viewings began. In tandem with this, my parents also started bribing me with Star Wars toys as a way to potty train me. <laughs> my first successful poop in the toilet earned me a Darth Vader action figure. Insert going to the dark side joke here. Eventually, my parents switched to candy for the reward system, but not until after I had several figures that I would then later use when playing Star Wars with my friends. Oh, I, I relate to this one. I wasn't potty trained uh, by Star Wars, uh, but there were times in my young life where uh, I, I would not go anywhere without my Luke Skywalker action figure, and uh, my Luke Skywalker action figure probably... um spent more time with me in the bathroom than he should. Uh, I think my Luke Skywalker action figure was really feeling that staring off into the twin suns, wishing he could be somewhere else. That is a great story of beginning your Star Wars adventure. And with that, we are going to take a quick break. We will be back with more favorite lightsabers and more beginnings of Star Wars adventure. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And we are back for more favorite points of view, we are talking about our favorite lightsabers and where we began our Star Wars adventures. Next up, we have Jay Winkworth. Here's what Jay has to say about his favorite lightsaber. I absolutely love Darth Malgus's lightsaber, black and silver in two sharp metal accents on either side of the blade. If Gene Simmons had a lightsaber, it would no doubt look like this. 
I remember watching that first trailer for The Old Republic and being totally blown away for just cool, holy crap factor. That ransacking of the Jedi Temple might be tops for anything Star Wars in any medium for me. And it's not just the look of the lightsaber, but how it was used. Not elegantly, but these big, angry swings like a lumberjack trying to take down a tree with one chop. Malgus was like the Terminator with force powers, unrelenting, always advancing. It also gave us a glimpse of what a whole prime Vader could be, one that we could only imagine until Rogue One. It may not have the history or emotional punch of, say, Leia's, Luke's, or the Skywalker's saber, but damn, it is wizard. This is great. Jay, I was hoping to get some responses like this, some stuff that is uh, uh, very classic, but some stuff that is really uh, specific and unique. And I love all of the memories that you have attached to it, this imagining how uh, Force users could look different and could use and wield their lightsabers differently. I mean, the fact that this description of your favorite lightsaber includes Gene Simmons and a lumberjack and Terminator that gives you a little sense of all of the different cultural ideas that can come into Star Wars and then suddenly become Star Wars. It is very wizard. I also really like that on this list that there are lightsabers that really are about some of the sort of central light side ideas of Star Wars, of finding your uh, identity, of finding your family, of using your, your elegant weapon for knowledge and defense. But another part of the lightsabers is the uh, anger. They're the cool weapon when they're wielded by the badass Darksiders, and I love to see uh, people talking through that and celebrating that as well. I say that as a big fan of that Vader hallway scene in Rogue One, so I need to go spend some more quality time with Darth Malgus myself. And here is what Jay has to say about the Star Wars adventure that he started. I guess I became a fan even before the premiere of Star Wars in 1977. Any kid who saw those commercials couldn't wait to go see it. I'm always surprised when I see that people, including George, were nervous it wouldn't be a hit. They obviously weren't talking to many kids or doing any advanced research polling in schoolyards. We all knew. I think that is a, a great observation. Uh, we know from kind of Star Wars history that some of the advertising gurus uh, behind Star Wars had the uh, the wisdom to try to find uh, people in the science fiction fantasy community and say, hey, look, at we're making this science fiction fantasy thing. But this is so great to hear uh, someone from someone like Jay who had the experience of, I wasn't uh, 20-something going to San Diego Comic-Con uh, back in the late 70s and hearing about this early. I was just a kid, and all of the kids on the playground knew this was going to speak to us, and it, it speaks to the strength of what George Lucas created with all the great artists who helped him, what he created with that original Star Wars, knowing that this was a story that was touching on those uh, old archetypes that just seen a flash of these cool images on screen would speak deeply to kids, and it spoke deeply to Jay. So thanks for sharing. Moving on, we are going to hear from Adam Nowakowski. Here's what Adam has to say about his favorite lightsaber. I think Kylo Ren's lightsaber is my favorite because, one might say, it's a novel of a lightsaber. I appreciate dearly its symbolism and what the weapon says about its creator-wielder. I find it fascinating when people project their personalities onto objects they create. That is a great point. We've talked a lot about how uh, Kylo Ren's unfocused saber, when it first uh, appeared in the trailer, that you know a lot of people had different discussion about, is this cool, is it not, with the, the energy uh, coming out of the, the cross-saber hilt, uh, but then also just the sort of the effects of it, the way it was jittery and dancing around, and led to the great uh, moment in Battlefront 2, where if Obi-Wan Kenobi comes close to Kylo Ren, he says, it looks like a child made that saber. Uh, but this is such a great way to pinpoint it that it is Kylo projecting his personality onto an object he created. We get to see more of that in the, uh, the comic book Rise of Kylo Ren. But I, I, what really struck me about the way Adam phrased this is 
we do know that Jedi and uh, Force users of all kind are, are creating their lightsaber, and it's a process, and we can infer things about uh, Luke making his uh, green lightsaber and having the hilt evoke uh, the, uh, the lightsaber hilt of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but this is so direct. This is, uh, Kylo Ren is really uh, uh, painting with his lightsaber. Adam calls it a novel, but it is really, that is just like a, a little portrait. His lightsaber, not only the hilt, but the blade itself is a portrait of his unfocused soul. And that is really, really great. Here is what Adam has to say about his introduction to Star Wars. As for my introduction, my first contact, so to speak, it happened in the mid-1990s when I was about 10. I lived in Poland back then, and the only way to catch anything good on TV was to invest in a satellite dish. I was lucky that my wonderful parents did that. Thanks to them, we were able to catch a Star Wars marathon on a German channel, three movies in three consecutive days. We could gather every evening in front of the TV. For us, it was not only a celebration of an art form, but also a family celebration. But the thing is, movies were dubbed in German, a language I didn't know, so the dialogue was all gibberish to me. However, the visual storytelling was so powerful that I instantly fell in love with Star Wars nevertheless. After that, I would take the visual images from the movies and draw and write my own stories with Luke, Vader, Stormtroopers, and TIE Fighters, not even knowing who they were supposed to be. You can say that Star Wars awoke the artistic side in me. And that is a great story. Uh, I, I think a lot about, because of my experience, seeing the movies. Certainly I saw them so young that I didn't fully comprehend them. And, and, and my brother would spend a lot of time really making sure that I understood specific plot points and, and ideas. Uh, but I certainly could, you know, understand the actual words being said. And I would try to be creative with my action figures by recreating a scene, uh, but more importantly, creating a new scene. And uh, I think it, it helped me on my journey to eventually become a writer that uh, my brother and I never wanted our action figures to just sort of fight. We always wanted to set up a narrative reason that there was a conflict and the location of the fight and things like that. Uh, so I've long thought of action figures is this vessel for Star Wars creativity. But this is such a great and unique perspective that you would be able to visually see the characters, but not know exactly what the story is. So just get to make up your own story in your mind. That is really, really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. We are going to move on to Perry Wakefield. Here's what Perry says about a favorite lightsaber. My favorite lightsaber at the moment is the Darksaber. We got to see it in Clone Wars and Rebels, plus we got some backstory on it as well in Rebels. We're even seeing it other places. I would love for Lucasfilm to tell the story of Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian Jedi. The story, character development, and themes that could be explored in that story are limitless. Perry, that is a great choice for a lightsaber. It is one that is on uh, a lot of people's lists. It's one of the uh, visually most different from the other lightsabers. It is unique uh, to us on the outside, and it's unique inside the actual world of the story. And I totally agree. That first Mandalorian Jedi, we, we know some of the different Mandalorians who have opinions about that and why. We don't know as much from the Jedi side. That would be such a great story to tell, and I hope we get that so we can all spend even more quality time with the Darksaber. Here's what Perry has to say about the Star Wars adventure he went on. I grew up with the original trilogy. I had a copy of A New Hope on VHS and watched it all the time. I would play with my action figures along with the movie and then continue the story when the movie was over. I will never forget the day I came home from school and my mom had rented The Empire Strikes Back. I didn't see it in the theater. Plus, it was a school night. A great memory. It sounds like Perry and I are of the same generation, and that brings back to me the very powerful memory of, I got to see them in the theater, but for the longest time, we didn't have a VHS. In one birthday, uh, my parents spent, I think, what was probably a lot of money to them at that time to rent a entire VHS player for 48 hours, and we rented Return of the Jedi, and we were so excited to watch the movie, but we watched the entire Jabba Han rescue scene and then we said we must stop the movie and go watch just this part back three times it's one of my favorite 
early Star Wars viewing memories. Thank you so much uh, for those great thoughts, Perry. We're going to move on to Robert Meadows. Robert has this to say about the favorite lightsaber. My favorite lightsaber is probably Mace Windu's. When I saw him ignite it for the first time and attack the clones as a kid, I lost my mind. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, mainly because it was so different. I also love that Sam Jackson basically told George Lucas that he has a purple saber. That is really, really great. Uh, I, I agree. I love uh, I love Mace Windu's saber. I love the revelation of it, and I love this specificity that, that Samuel L. Jackson is uh, such a, a Star Wars nerd, and he wanted to be a Jedi. He wanted to have a lightsaber. He wanted to have a purple lightsaber, and he asked, and, <laughs> and he got what he wanted. This makes me feel like... Uh, uh, it makes me reflect on this uh, cultural certain point of view. Uh, right now, I'll say that Samuel L. Jackson, you know, a lot of us, especially if we spend a lot of time talking about Star Wars, he's Mace Windu. That's one of his many uh, accomplishments. But back in the day, uh, when it was revealed that Samuel L. Jackson was going to be in Star Wars, he was known to a lot of us as utter filth-mouthed badass uh, from Pulp Fiction and many other things and just thinking about that cultural interpretation of Samuel L. Jackson and not knowing that years and years later people go like, yeah, uh, Sam Jackson, yeah, yeah, you know, Mace Windu, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And how uh, those sort of preconceptions before something happened can drift away and the, the, the thing can just be the thing that it is. Because there was a time there where you couldn't talk about uh, Mace Windu without uh, somebody making a joke where combined Jedi and uh, Pulp Fiction. Anyway, moving on. Here's how Robert talks about his Star Wars adventure. My mom was the one who introduced me to Star Wars. I remember watching the original trilogy on VHS for the first time as a kid and immediately falling in love with this franchise, and I've had the honor of taking my mom with me to see the Disney movies on every opening night. That is great. That is yet another reflection of Star Wars having a great impact on actual real-life family. Moving on, this was sent in by uh, someone with the, uh, the, the title they're using on Patreon is Uncommon Productions. If that happens to be your actual first and last name, that would be really cool, too. Here's what Uncommon Productions has to say about a favorite lightsaber. When I was younger, I didn't have any particular favorite lightsaber. I had my favorite color preferences, but when my friends would talk about their favorite hilts, that never really connected with me. I just thought they all looked cool and never bothered to take the deep dive and pick a favorite. I, really, uh, re I remember really liking old Sheev's saber because of the reveal of it all in Revenge of the Sith and the odd scream he belted out when igniting it in the Revenge of the Sith trailer and the fact I could never find a toy of it anywhere. And in recent years, Ahsoka's white blades really spoke to me due to the uniqueness of them in canon, what it represented about her character at that point, and I ended up being a figure of Ahsoka, there, there ended up being a figure of Ahsoka with her white lightsabers before I even watched a single episode of Rebels. Watching the end of Rise of Skywalker for the first time, and in my subsequent viewings, Rey's new lightsaber has jumped ahead and quickly become my new favorite lightsaber. My journey of watching Rey's introduction in The Force Awakens and gradually over that movie's runtime, realizing I had found my new favorite character. Her journey spoke to me. It wasn't that I felt related to it personally, but it just felt like the journey of a true hero looking to find her true self, and so began years of buying way too much Rey merch. Her journey throughout the entire sequel trilogy was so powerful to me, someone looking to find her true place. I never saw her as a Mary Sue or vessel for nostalgia like some have accused her of. I saw her as a hero of this generation. And when she ignited that golden saber, forged from her iconic staff, it was like the era of Rey, the galaxy's new greatest hero, had truly began. I love the Skywalker Blade as much as anyone, but this felt different, new, and most importantly, so damn cool. Here's hoping we get this saber immortalized in figure or toy form sooner rather than later. Wow, there are a lot of great thoughts in here. I love Sheev's saber. The oh, oh, the the Sheev was something up his sleeve. Wow, it's a lightsaber. Ahsoka's uh, white blades uh, being discussed in the Ahsoka novel and uh, seeing them in Rebels. Uh, I'm lucky to have a, an action figure two-pack of uh, her and Vader from Rebels with those uh, lightsabers as well. That's really cool. So all sorts of uh, uh, great thoughts. But then 
Raised Blade. Uh, honestly, uh, a lot of people chose Raised Blade. Uh, that's probably for a couple of factors. Um, it, it's right now. It's new and it's powerful, and uh, many of us uh, is expressed here our, our longing for toys and figures uh, of uh, this uh, lightsaber, which aren't available yet, but I'm sure that they are coming. It might be that uh, here on Force Center, we are big fans of The Rise of Skywalker. Not that we don't have our criticisms, but in general, uh, we like it a lot. So so it could be that, that people who choose to be patrons of Force Center are that we're taking a sample uh, of people who might lean towards enjoying Rise of Skywalker and enjoying Rey's Blade. But I thought it was really, really interesting that people across all sorts of different generations... Uh, are really, really being excited and, and connecting to Rey's blade, its symbolism, its symbolism of her journey, its her, the symbolism of the Skywalker saga. What I really wanted to comment on from uh, Uncommon Productions' description here is that I saw her as a hero of this generation. It was like the era of Rey, the galaxy's new greatest hero, had truly began. That is a really powerful statement. I think it is one of the reasons that Ray's new blade spoke to me. And there's that part of me of like, yeah, sure, it would have been cool to for her to start the movie with her own unique blade, as a lot of us wondered about in the lead up to the Rise of Skywalker. But there's something so powerful about ending there, not just because it's the ending of her journey of of becoming a hero and becoming a Skywalker, choosing to take that mantle, but it that saber is making a declaration about the story isn't over. This is the end of this saga, this chapter, but that saber symbolizes the beginning of a new era, and Uncommon Productions does a great job of capturing that, and I think it is one of the truly powerful things about the lightsaber of Rey Skywalker. Here's what Uncommon Productions has to say about their Star Wars adventure. My first memories of Star Wars were my grandfather showing me the original trilogy on taped-over VHS tapes back in around 2002-2003. Attack of the Clones was at least being marketed at this point, but I don't quite remember if it was out yet or not. I instantly fell in love with these movies, the journey of our classic trio, the mystique and tragedy of Darth Vader and the Sinister Emperor. It was the early 2000s, however, so I was also very much a prequel kid. They were all my friends talked about at school. They were filled to the brim with great planets, fascinating character designs, and incredible lore. I ate them up and unabashedly loved them. I didn't realize until several years later, when I finally had access to good internet, that they had the, let's just say, mixed reaction surrounding them at the time. And I remember this is completely taking me off guard. At that point, I hadn't connected with anyone who hadn't loved them, so I was shocked. And this is a big part of the reason why, to this day, I still love those movies. Regardless of any corny dialogue scenes or poorly aged CGI, they were both my trilogies growing up, both equally responsible for my love of a franchise that seemingly gets stronger by the day. When my grandfather and I watched Revenge of the Sith when it opened, it was the first time we had both seen a new Star Wars movie for the first time and it's one of the memories I cherish the most. That is great. Even more themes of family in Star Wars, and uh, I love what Uncommon Productions is saying about their experience of the prequels, and I think it goes to something that we talk a little bit on Star Wars. There's the story of the movies, and then there's the story behind the story, and they're both fascinating. They're both fun, but it is good to remember those times when, when you were younger and you weren't all uh, keyed into which director made this choice and which writer got fired and who made this decision, and you are just embracing the story for the story and how sometimes that can be a really joyful way to experience the story. Our final entry is from Kai Thatch. Kai says, My favorite lightsaber is my personal one that I got from an online store. I chose to have a random hilt and random blade color sent to me and let fate decide my weapon for me. I love that it is a very simple design and doesn't have too many things protruding. I can easily spin it in my hands without catching an edge. When The Rise of Skywalker was released, I was even more happy because it has a very similar color pattern to Leia's lightsaber. In the end, I feel that it is unique and it is mine. That is amazing. There's so much in Star Wars storytelling that speaks to me because it is about 
letting go. It's about not getting caught up in the sort of uh, the mechanics and the machinery of worrying about making the exact right decision. And what an amazing way to embrace that, to just say, send me whatever and I will find myself in this blade. I think the Jedi would be proud of Kai for finding such a great way to simply let go and embrace his destiny. Here's what uh, Kai has to say about the beginning of his Star Wars adventure. What got me started in Star Wars was seeing the trailer for The Phantom Menace in theaters, and in particular, Darth Maul lighting up his double-bladed lightsaber. I was aware of Star Wars before that, but it didn't catch my interest until the prequels came along. All of a sudden, it was exciting and flashy, with cool fight scenes and action that I'd never seen before. I didn't dive into the deep end until the Disney purchase, but the prequels were definitely the start of a lifelong fandom. So that is it. Many different points of view on favorite lightsabers and ways to start our Star Wars journeys. There's so many different unique lives and yet so many similarities within our unique experiences. So I want to thank everyone who shared. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know and we will do more. In the meantime, you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, my comedy albums, and future live shows all on josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. More fun stuff coming there very soon. And here's one final point of view. I am incapable of choosing a favorite myself. There's just too much to love. So I will share my top five lightsabers and still feel guilty that I left some favorites off. Here we go. Obi-Wan's Blue Blade, Rey's Golden Saber, Terra Sanube's Hidden Cane Laser Sword, my own Peace and Justice lightsaber I built at Galaxy's Edge, and my final favorite lightsaber is the new one. We'll eventually see that I can't even imagine yet, because Star Wars is about examining the past and also staring out at the horizon to the future and seeing all those lightsabers on the horizon. Thanks for listening, and as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, another happy land. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.